Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have a really cool guest on today. Um, just spent a few minutes chatting with this guy. His name is Anish Chowdhury. I hope I said that right. He'll correct me in a minute if I didn't. But um, so, hey, stick with us. Be right back. And we're back. I want to welcome my new friend, Anish, to the show. Welcome to the show, Anish. Am I saying your name right? You're saying that. just right. And I appreciate the introduction. And thank you so much for having me today, Ken. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, man, you are quite possibly the most chill guest I've ever had. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. I mean, you know, we were talking about meditation. I mean, I think it's really because a lot of the meditation. I mean, I'm I'm really really chill most of the time, but when I'm able, when I need to turn up the energy, I can turn up on demand. I love it, man. I love it. So you know, I told you I created this show. I don't know. It's been two and a half years, I think, um, ago, and and I, I it was to help people. I look. It was a little bit selfish because uh, here's Joe Ingram. <laughs> I know that guy. I know. So, um, so you know, I, I created this to help people get unstuck. And I was going through a thing a couple of years or so ago, and and I was like kind of stuck. And I'm like, I told my wife, I want to, I want to interview people and create a show and 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 you know to to give back to the world and. And I didn't tell her selfishly, it's to help me too. But, you know, and it has been, it's been very helpful and a lot of people have enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. um, let's start with, with your story. Let's talk about like where you were born and raised, which I already know, but I think it's kind of cool. Right. So I was born and raised in, you know, like we mentioned, the exciting town of Beaver Creek, Ohio, where there's just so many things happening, so many people to see and so many places to be. That's yeah. why as soon as I graduated high school, I just had no choice but to move because I was <laughs> overwhelmed by all the amazing things to do. <laughs> like a slight degree of sarcasm. I mean, I, I say that lightheartedly because Beaver Creek and Dayton, Ohio are always going to have a special place in my heart. My parents still live there. I, I go back to visit, you know, quarterly and my dogs are there. I mean, I love to see my dogs. I mean, that in and of itself is, is a reason to go back. But, I, you know, I currently reside in, in Newport Beach, California. Do they not allow dogs in Newport Beach or? Oh, they do. It's just, it's, I guess you could say I'm, I'm on the road so much. I, if, uh, if, you know, buying a dog would not be fair to that dog. So that's why, yeah. you know, I have, I have the dogs I can go and see in, in good old Beaver Creek, Ohio. Well, I've been to Beaver Creek, um, probably more than once. I'm, I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kidding. Actually, my I grew up in Indian Lake, Ohio, and I don't know if you know where that is or not, but it's north of Dayton. And um, my very first concert was at, at UD Arena. Very cool. Rush, 1984. Wow, yeah, that was that was that was before I was even around. <laughs> we we don't have to go there. We no, it's, I mean wisdom is a good thing. Yeah, no, but um, so Dayton, my wife lived in Dayton, as a matter of fact, she at, right out of college, she lived over there and worked for a company. So Dayton's Dayton's got its, I mean, it's where the, the Air Force Museum is. There's a lot of great things about Dayton, Ohio. It is. I mean, I think yeah. it's, a great, it's a great place to raise a family. But I mean, yeah. like just to put it in perspective is my all my amazing times in high school. I mean, we would hang out in the McDonald's parking lot. On, uh, on on Friday and Saturday night, you know, if we really were feeling adventurous, we would go to Taco Bell down the street. I mean, like we're just living the dream. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's just the Ohio life, and that's why I knew like 
But for myself, I was like, after a couple weekends, I was like, man, there's got to be more life than. I feel like I'm out. If you're worth it. Like I said, feeling adventurous to go to Taco Bell. I mean, there's got to be more to life than this. And hence going to California. I mean, I came here on like spring break in 2014 in Newport Beach. I was like, why, why the heck am I still in Ohio? And and I made wow. that a point to to want to move out because I knew that like I want to start a business. Eventually, want to raise a family. I mean, I'm, I'm 27 now, so I knew that like settling down where I want to be long term was going to be the right thing to do, and that's why I, you know, I took the leap of faith to move out to California, single with, you know, I had some money in the bank, but that's really, really what brought me out to California was just there's more to life than just what's in Ohio. <laughs> I mean, one thing you can't do in California that we can do here in Ohio is um, cow tipping. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I can't say I've ever tried that or had the desire to try that. So I think, you know, I, the fact that I can't do that in California doesn't seem like a deal breaker to me. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny, man. So, so I, I, I do agree with you. There's, you know, not, not a whole lot to do in Ohio. Um, right. but so, so you, now that's where you were born and you raised in, in Beaver Creek. Correct. Yeah. Went to high school there. Hey, Justin's on. Good morning. Hey, Justin. Great. So, so, um, well then. <laughs> my wife said, does anyone really do that? Um, <laughs> so, so, so you, you, did you go to college? Yeah, I actually did it right state. So, I mean, I was, oh. I was in Ohio for college I mean, I, I ventured out and I went to the University of Cincinnati my freshman year, moved to Chicago my sophomore year. And was I, I thought I wanted to be a mechanic, so I did automotive school for a period. I was rebuilding transmissions, engines, doing electrical work. And I just realized like I like looking at nice cars. I like driving nice cars, but working on them was just not for me. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it's just part of, part of that kind of experimental and discovery phase early on in life. And I just yeah. realized I'm a much more intellectual person. Like, I'm just not... I would be sitting there thinking about like why you would do things and everyone else would just do it. And I realized it could take me twice the time because I'm trying to figure it out. One in like cars are just not something you figure out. They're just like machines you just do. I mean, cars don't have brains. Like they just, they run as machines. And so that really didn't jive with me. And then I came back to Ohio in 2013 and and did my bachelor's. And I ended up getting my bachelor's in neuropsychology from Wright State and I graduated in 2016. So that's, really what um brought me back there i did i started my mba at ohio university online actually so i was living in california doing my mba online ou i did i completed about a year of that my heart just wasn't in that and now i'm currently pursuing my master's in ayurvedic and integrative medicine through a school in um called maharishi based out of fairfield iowa so beauty of online learning is i can live in california and like be and take advantage of a very, very unique and specialized program because I've changed my major. What's it, what's it called? It, era what? It's called Ayurvedic and Integrative Medicine. <clears throat> Ayurvedic. What in the world does that mean? See, that's that's one of the beauties of me doing what I'm doing is that like most people haven't even heard of it. But Ayurvedic medicine is a style of medicine. They've been practicing in India for thousands of years. It can be thought of as the sister science and sister medicine to acupuncture. Because, you know, acupuncture is very mainstream. And I would say that Ayurveda is about five to 10 years behind acupuncture and very, very similar in uh, the way they treat the body. It's very much, very much, very much based on prevention, using diet, herbs, placing a very high emphasis on digestion, learning to properly break down your foods. And it's really just about, it's based on a model of perfect health. So healthcare in this country is very much based upon a, a disease model you know, where we, we check symptoms, we, you know, we have, like, we avoid disease. So as opposed yeah. to avoiding disease and not wanting to get sick, you have this model of perfect health to where then you, it's all based upon having a very healthy daily routine that's yeah. to each individual's body type, to where you're eating healthy, you're doing meditation, you're doing yoga, you're exercising, and then ultimately realizing that, you know, having balance within the body creates balance in all other areas of life. And that's, like why I'm dedicating my life to it. And one of wow. the things that I have in Southern California is a, as a full service Ayurvedic clinic where we offered exclusively these services. So it is around, and that's the beauty of it is it's really an untapped market that I'm very much looking to commercialize. 
through my business. So you went from transmissions to human health. (laughs) That's, that's a, that's a significant leap. I mean, that's pretty big. So, and I love that. I, I actually did a live stream about this last night, Anish. And I, I, you know, if, if, if we become Facebook friends, um, you'll see, you'll get annoyed because I, I do a lot of live streams. Um, but I, you know, I talked about because we literally, I, it'll be in today, um, a, a book on the keto diet and, and, and ketosis and the benefits of that, which I don't know anything about it. I'm listening to a book about it right now. Um, but it seems to be a much healthier way to live than McDonald's and, um, which I don't eat McDonald's occasionally Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) I went through that phase for many years of my life. I get it. We, uh, we live in a tiny little town and we have two Taco Bells. (laughs) Right. You just defined Ohio right there. That's, that's Ohio. That's but, but, you know, so, so I, I, I love what you're talking about. Uh, I, I have a family member that had a minor stroke a couple of nights ago mm. and, and, you know, is realizing, wow, I need to do something different. I need to lose all this way extra weight and all of this, this stuff. And, and so what you're doing, there's a huge need, huge, huge need. Absolutely. And I, the a big approach that I take is that I say that like myself or my business, we're not meant to replace the primary care doctors or the Western doctors, because I think there's very much a need for Western medicine. But I think where there's become a disconnect across like the whole entire healthcare continuum is that you think about the purpose of Western medicine. It's really designed for acute care emergency rooms, urgent cares, primary care doctors. Like I said, it's very based on disease, but then it's like the whole model is based around, you know, where um, you go for a physical once a year, you get your blood test. If your numbers are in range, you're healthy, right? Yeah. It's It's not that black and white to where, okay, all of a sudden, you know, you have high blood pressure. So you have hypertension and now you got to hop on medication. Right high blood sugar. So that means you have diabetes. There's a lot that has to happen for a number of years and a long period of time to where the disease actually manifests within the body. And I think, like I mentioned, where the disconnect is, is that in Western medicine that we've used this acute care model as prevention too. So we think that, okay, we have this disease. Now I can go and take this pill and that's going to prevent it from getting worse which right. it may, but like I said, by the time, like in Ayurvedic medicine, for example, they have a six stage model or six stage, basically progression of disease. And they say that symptoms don't even appear in the physical body until the fourth stage of disease. Just let that sink in. Mm-hmm. Symptoms do not appear until the fourth stage of disease, meaning wow. that stages one, two, and three, there are imbalances that are present within the body that ultimately then symptoms don't even show up. That means that things are not necessarily firing correctly in stages one, two, and three, which through Ayurvedic medicine, there are ways to recognize those, those kind of imbalances within the body and then work to bring yourself back into a state of equilibrium far before disease is able to even manifest in the body. And that's where like Western medicine is replaced. Like we're using acute methodology to try and prevent disease and it just it doesn't work and that's why the numbers are getting worse and why people are like scratching their head wondering like why am i getting sick when my doctors told me for so many years that i'm being healthy is because there's really a strong lack of education and knowledge and true know-how to take care of ourselves and and understand that there is a genetic component but the genetic piece is only about 25 to 30 percent of the dictator of our health the other 70 to 75% is dictated by our behavior, by our environment, by our actions, and ultimately knowing that our genes are an expression of our lifestyle and our environment. So those unhealthy genes don't even express themselves unless we're engaging in unhealthy behaviors. And that's like one thing most people don't even realize. You know, I, I can, this has been years ago, but I went for a checkup and they said, oh, it looks like you have um, some elevated cholesterol and um and we need to put you on a 
or, or blood, maybe it was blood pressure. We need to put you on a statin. Is that right? A statin right. drug. And, and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I left and got the prescription filled and started taking this. And I noticed some horrific side effects. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And I got rid of them and I I've not taken them since. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, so far so good, but I, I've, you know, I changed my diet. I changed, you know, uh, 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 several things to, to, to manage it myself without, without the, the use of, of drugs. And I think, you know, again, my sister's a nurse practitioner. So, you know, I, I, I understand the need for Western medicine, but I love, I love what you're talking about. Um, and, and I think that, that, again especially in in the united states we're the most obese country in the world per capita right i mean the obesity rate is and this is shocking but it's all i don't remember the exact number but it's somewhere between 35 to 40 percent of the country that's insane like that's that's a lot of people yeah and then, and then even to go above and beyond that that's that's obese like the the percentage that are overweight about two-thirds that means that more than half of the people in this country are overweight or obese. And that's it's it's crazy, man. And mm -hmm. and there it's so bad that there's a body shaming movement. <laughs> like, right. don't right. call me fat. I'm pleasantly plump. Like, no, you're fat. <laughs> <got a> curve. <laughs> Respect my curves. <laughs> but, and, and the thing is, and I'm not making fun, it's 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 literally deteriorating not maybe maybe drugs will keep you alive for till you're 85 or 90 mm -hmm. being obese and overweight but what's your what is your um level of living like what you know what i mean it, it depletes your your lifestyle it does and and also i i don't want to put people down that are overweight or obese because one and one thing don't realize is that they think that it's just basically that obesity and overweight and diet are just a matter of choice and willpower and it's simply not true because a lot of times like and the way i explain obesity and people being overweight is that it's a physiological mechanism that a lot is a lot of the reason people get to that place is because they have an addiction to sugar they don't yes. use it but it's an addiction to sugar. That's yeah. truly what it is. And like how you can get addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol, your body then becomes dependent upon that, you know, that, that thing. And, you know, they've done studies that show that, like they literally compared, they did a study with rats where they gave the rats a choice between cocaine or sugar. And that, and the rats chose sugar over the cocaine. Like that just shows that like they got more addicted to the sugar than they did the cocaine. Yeah, because, you know, we don't need cocaine to live, but our body metabolizes sugar. And then that's where it can become very this this kind of gray area because we think we we need sugar. We do. But in mo very small amounts and in moderation, because then when the body becomes dependent and, and like, you know, used to having all these inputs of sugar, it actually creates unhealthy bacteria within the gut to where like that bacteria feeds off the sugar. So when it comes to people wanting to lose weight, the only real way to do it from a dietary perspective without, you know, having to go on pharmaceuticals and there's like gastric bypass surgery and all these kind of more intense measures for extreme cases yeah. is it really, really involves doing like a very strong detox in those initial phases to be able to, to rid your body of those negative harmful bacteria. That way you can stop craving sugar and then actually make the dietary changes. Cause it's amazing how quickly the weight's going to fall off. Cause it's not natural for your body to carry that much weight. I mean, it takes work. I mean, it places stress on the internal organs and that's why like the lifespan of somebody suffering from obesity is significantly decreased because it just places so much stress on the physical body. And then not to mention, like you said, the whole body shaming thing, all the things like it takes on the mind and psychologically. And, and so that's why I, I want to bring that to attention to say that it's not like a lack of willpower or something being wrong with the person, right? It's the way their body chemistry is, and it has to take a very strong level of determination and willingness to completely change and understand that the food is the problem and that the food in this case is, is no longer a means of 
survival and a means of nourishment, but rather an addiction. And, and that's hard. <clears throat> I've, you know, in Dr. Axe's book that I'm, I'm, you know, I was talking about, he talks about exactly what you're saying. Like the, the, and I, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, but he talks about the grocery stores in America. The shelves are literally lined with poison and we don't realize it. Like if you go down, you go down this, have you been down the cereal aisle in a grocery store lately? Like it's like, like the shelves are filled with these beautifully colored boxes of sugar and other poisons that, and, and again, he, you know, I, I think, um, and and I'm in the it's it's the irony that you're you're on my show today because I am literally my wife and I are in the middle of making this huge change and shift in yeah. in the way that we're we're um, because sugar addiction's real man and here's the other thing and people don't talk about this but I will because I ain't scared and and that is the the sugar is is the fuel that cancer needs to thrive it, it actually is and and that's why you know you think about let's talk about cancer for a second yeah the manifestation of cancer doesn't just it, like i said show up overnight i mean sure there can be a strong genetic component too but those genes are expressed as a result of an unhealthy lifestyle because right. genetic expression is actually regulated in the gut and that's one thing a lot of people don't realize and that's so having an unhealthy gut can lead to a lot of these different sort of conditions. But basically what cancer is, is when your body and the cells in your body go rogue and basically start attacking and eating away at yourself. And they need some kind of outside input to, to keep growing. Like cancer doesn't exist naturally in the body. And, and I mean, I'm not an expert on cancer by any means, and I'm not going to pretend to be. But I just I know that like how cancer builds is that, you know, so much of maintaining health is maintaining the health of our cells because our cells are responsible for creating energy, responsible for metabolizing nutrients. They're responsible for metabolizing oxygen, water. So you think about like all these things that, you know, we don't know are happening throughout the course of the day. Even as you and I have this conversation, I'm breathing in oxygen, exhaling CO2. I mean, I, I haven't eaten anything today, but my body is metabolizing sugar to be able to, you know, process me waving my hands or me verbally speaking. Right. So when those begin to become disconnected and out of balance, then that's really what can lead to so many hosts of diseases yeah. down the road and cancer being one of them. Another one I want to talk about is Alzheimer's because, you know, they've done research and found that, you know, we hear, we hear about the Mediterranean diet. But that like in there's a Greek island, I don't remember the name of the island, but like the diet primarily consists of fish, vegetables and wine. And that like it's all very natural. It's all grown. It's organic. So there's no like fancy packaging or like they go out back and they're going to pick it from their garden and it's completely natural food. And they said there's like Alzheimer's is non-existent on this island. And wow. That, and like that is a largely because Alzheimer's is what's considered to be a neurodegenerative disease, meaning that Alzheimer's and dementia results from degradation and the breaking down of your brain, meaning that if you are not feeding yourself adequate nutrients, you're not managing your stress, not exercising and taking care of your brain health. That's how Alzheimer's comes. It's not just a genetic phenomenon that, oh, because my mom had it, I'm yeah. going to have it. There's absolutely stuff you can do to change that. But but if people don't know that, how are they going to be expected to do that? Right. And right. that's really where I come in. And, you know, I'm speaking about individual diseases, but why from like the Eastern medicine approach is that you have all these different diseases that can come up. But when you just keep it simple and understand what your body needs and put together a daily routine to where you can eat healthy, you exercise, you manage your stress, you put your well-being across everything else in life that all those other things fall in place and that's your health. Like you remain in a state of balance and everything else remains balanced. Like yeah. it's, it's really a beautifully simple concept as opposed to getting so caught up and hung up and you know, what symptoms am I experiencing? What medication is going to work for these symptoms? And it just, it's become so complicated. And your undergrad degree is in neuro. Did you say neurological psychology? Neuropsychology. Yeah. Neuropsychology. Technically behavioral neuroscience. 
okay. is, is what the industry standard is, but it's basically understanding how your behaviors, how your thoughts, your actions, your feelings, your emotions affect okay. your brain and yeah. what you can do to change that. So that's, that's really like, I don't consider myself a cancer expert. I don't consider myself an expert on these different diseases. What right. I do consider myself an expert on is, is working with my clients to create a lifestyle that is going to be what I call a brain healthy lifestyle, keep themselves in balance. That way it can then decrease their risk for a disease later on in life. My goal is not to cure illness. My goal is not to replace any doctors. It's to be there as an adjunct to teach people how to live brain healthy lifestyles because we just were not taught about that in today's world. Wow. Did, what percentage of the, and, and I, I'm, I'm asking based on your opinion, perhaps even scientific um, research that you've heard of, um, what percentage of all of that is tied to diet? I don't think there's a one size fits all answer, but I would have to say like just intuitively coming to my mind about 80%. At least. Yeah. That's what I, I mean. Thought. I think that if you are not eating healthy, I mean the whole saying you are what you eat, like if you eat crap, like the inside of your body is going to kind of become crap. Right. It's, and that's why like if you eat McDonald's, I mean, it's hard to expect to live like sure. You may be able to function. I'm sure there's plenty of successful, like financially successful people out there that don't have the healthiest diet, right. but then you look at the way they feel and the fact that like they've been able to accomplish what they've been able to accomplish with a foggy mind and, and, and functioning at, at subpar levels in terms of brain health and physically and mentally and spiritually. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing to think what they could accomplish if they actually cleaned up their diet, you know, meditated, did yoga and incorporated these other things. Because what I found is that for me now, I, at the age of 27, I own and operate three businesses. Most people at the age of 27 are not where I'm at. I'm not trying to say that like I'm better or worse or right. anything of that nature, but I believe that my success becomes as comes as a result because I put my health and my well-being mentally, physically, and spiritually above all else. And I can accomplish, I mean, I work eight to 10 hour days. I mean, I don't work like 70, 80 hour weeks to run three businesses. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I've become very efficient at working smarter versus working harder and understanding yeah. that when your brain's functioning properly, when you eat healthy, when you're not eating emotionally, when you learn to manage your emotions, manage your stress, all of these other things that come along with living a healthy lifestyle, the rest just becomes easy. Like, and I use that one word very loosely. Like it becomes easy in the sense that the amount of discipline you have to maintain a healthy lifestyle then makes it so everything else you do, you don't have to put energy into like, try, like trying to do it. Yeah. You just do it. That That's just the way I live my life. Wow. So when you, when you left, you said when you left um, Ohio, you, you moved to California, but you had some money in the bank. Mm -hmm. You'd put some aside. Um, so you didn't go out there like on, okay, I got to, be in some movies or something or <laughs> no, I mean, you went out there. What, 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 what was your plan? Did, or did you have a plan when you so went I mean, to Cal? I think to kind of backtrack before even getting into that, to kind of share a little bit about my personal story as to how I even like, you know, I switched from auto, like you mentioned, I switched from automotive to health. I mean, there's a reason like yeah. I was going through very significant struggles in my own life to where, you know, I, suffered from pretty significant mental illness and addiction issues in my younger years. Mm. And, and I mean, between like from the ages of 10 all the way through my early twenties were riddled with just depression, anxiety. I was diagnosed with bipolar. I mean, I'd smoked a lot of marijuana to, to cope. I mean, I, I had bouts of drinking where, and I was never like a daily drinker, but I would, you know, binge drink and definitely drink to blackout and, and yeah. things of that nature because of just where my life was. And so it, it put me in this position where I just, I knew I had potential. I knew I wanted to work towards things. I knew I had a lot to accomplish and offer the world, but I didn't know why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And between 2012 to 2018, I was in and out of different rehab programs. I was in and out of different sober livings and you know, even in the psych ward being suicidal a few times. Like it was just really, really intense and nasty years of my life. Even though I was in school, I was doing all that. I was still very much struggling to figure out what the heck was happening with my mind, my body, and, and with my spirit. And it, it, I, 
I was on different medications through that period. I tried talking to different psychiatrists, different therapists, all these different professionals in the field. And it never, like, I improved. Like, I don't want to say it didn't do anything. I'm not going to go and, like, totally put that down. Like, it was necessary. I don't, like, regret any of those experiences. But that's what led me to realize that medication is not going to alleviate why I'm depressed or why I'm anxious or why I'm in terms bipolar, which ended up being a misdiagnosis. Because there are some people that genuinely are bipolar when it comes to, you know, their brain chemistry. I was just acting bipolar because I was smoking a lot of marijuana and didn't see a purpose in life. So I can very easily become, you know, misconstrued as bipolar. And I was on and off different bipolar medications for three years. And it just, it put me in a place where I just felt like a shell of who I was. You know, I mean, it's like, you may not be able to feel the lows, but you can't feel the highs either. And so you're saying that marijuana is not necessarily good for good for, for brain health. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And the people that think they need it for anxiety and depression. I, I mean, I'm going to say this once again, very like lightheartedly, very sparingly. There are other ways. Marijuana is not the best way. I mean, if there's like really, really severe trauma that's occurred and, you know, someone was at war or, you know, there's somebody with cancer. I mean, there are cases where marijuana can help, but to, to go on a limb and say it's medicine, I mean, it's like other medications, like you mentioned with the statin, you experience side effects. I mean, smoking marijuana is not healthy on the brain. It may calm the way you feel, but right. like long-term doing it in a chronic way, like if, if someone's able to live a healthy lifestyle and they like maybe smoke a joint before like bed or smoke a joint on the weekend with friends, like, and that's it. It's like how I feel and what I tell my clients about alcohol. If you're able to just like use it and it doesn't impact quality of your life, like it's not really a bad thing. But when you start to use marijuana on a daily basis, it takes a very negative toll on the brain. That's just Man, you're gonna you're gonna get some hate mail over this. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I mean, like I said, I, I talk on openly and honestly. I mean, I was addicted to marijuana where I was smoking all day every day, and it drove me to the point. I don't want to say it alone. But it yeah. drove me to the point of, or when I was doing it, like I was suicidal. It didn't alleviate those feelings. And I would yeah. smoke as a way to escape. So I think it yeah. really all comes down to your intent behind use. Like I yeah. said, if it's like the weekend and you're with friends and you smoke a joint with four people on a Saturday night, like once a week, and that's the way you do it, like I don't see a problem in that. That's not going to destroy your brain. But if that becomes every day, then yeah. it absolutely does affect the brain in a negative way. It's just, it's the truth. It's what the science. I, 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 dude, I know. And I, I've, I'm, uh, I'm with you a thousand percent. I, I totally agree. I see, um, I see, you know, states making it legal and it's fine, whatever, do, do your thing. But like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, my buddy Grant Cardone, I don't know if you know who he is or not, mm -hmm. but he, uh, He's like, hey, I, I I don't care if you smoke the smoke the 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 weed. It just it, it eliminates my competition. <laughs> it does. Wait, <laughs> so, right. I'm does. gonna function at a much higher level mentally than than a pothead is. Sorry, but it's the truth. Yeah, and all of a sudden the idea of Netflix and chill becomes the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> you know, you're sitting there with your video games, your pizza, watching a movie. I mean, life is good. And then, and then once you come down from that, it's just like, okay, now what? Right. <laughs> like, Get another joint. I mean, like to tell you the truth, Ken, I mean, I've, like I said, I, I, I was a very heavy user of marijuana for a number of years. Yeah, and I know absolutely. today the feelings that I felt like, cause there were times I would, I would lie if I told you all the times I smoked weed were bad. I mean, there were times where I felt great, you yeah. know, it wasn't, but it wasn't like great based on reality It's like just this grandiose feeling. But today, like I, there, like sometimes I come out of meditation and sometimes this is pretty regularly for me now that I've been practicing for years where I actually feel high yeah. and like, I just feel elated, but it's not, but there's no come down. Like that's the way that I, I I'm able to maintain for the most part, but the difference is, is that I can feel my emotions and I don't have to have a way to escape. Yeah. Like that's where it was at before where like, wow, these feelings are so intense. So I need to smoke to numb that. And then that's where, you know, like we just got a comment about the intent of use. Like if it's just an intended method to being social, like drinking, then it's, it's okay. But if like you're going throughout the course of the day and you're just thinking about, you can't wait till happy hour comes 
and you're pounding three or four martinis every night after work and, and saying that's how you do business and how you close deals and everything. Like it's, that's just, it's, it's rude wake up call. You know, so that's some of you guys out there, I don't want to put you down. Like I respect and, and, and honor where you're at, but it's like for long-term health, it will come back to bite you in the butt later on. It will. I promise you. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. I know. And three or four martinis sounds like a good start to me. So right. That's just the uh, appetizer. I, yeah, it's like, what? That's it? We're not yeah. stopping there. Right. <laughs> so and I know. use that example because that's I mean, I used to work for Chase and, and like that was a very stressful job working for Chase. And I know like I would go out for happy hours like two or three times a week with my coworkers and pound two or three martinis and I would just be looking forward to that. Because man, Bar Louie had some damn good martinis. Yeah. Yeah. Was that here in Ohio? This was in Chicago, actually. This was 2017 going into 2018. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, again, it's it's surprising how much of an old soul you are for 27 years old to to have the the insight that you have because you know, I'll be 52 in a, in a, in a couple weeks. And, and, um, and it's like, you know, I, it's taken me a long time. It took me a long, like I, I have 18 years of sobriety, mm -hmm. but I, that means I was 34 when I got sober and, and, and it was like, you know, it took a lot of pain before that. Okay. And, and, and it does long-term, it does long-term affect every single person that you know I, I i've nothing good ever came out of uh, out of a blackout for me nothing ever i've never ever woken up in the morning and saying man i'm so glad i blacked out last night i mean i went and you know volunteered at the local soup kitchen and, and helped out children in need like never a blackout story always like i mean i know one of the worst times i blacked out was in college i woke up in the woods with splinters in my hands at three o'clock in the morning wow where i was like that that's the kind of stuff that happens and why alcohol when used in that manner is uh that's my wife now she's jones in for an apple martini that one was good yeah i mean I, I, for me it was the, the honeydew martini i think it was yeah i don't even remember it was like honeydew or something green but yeah like i, was, I mean when i woke up from like Black House, it was never a positive situation. It was never like I contributed to society. It was like I was a menace to society. Amen, man. <clears throat> so, so you ended up in, um, you ended up in California. I know that you have. I, I read somewhere an article or something uh, about you opened a yoga studio. Is that what? It, is it a yoga studio? Is that what you? It started off as a yoga studio. I mean, it was a yoga studio slash clinic. So, I mean, I have a couple of treatment rooms where we offer different therapies for brain health and cellular rejuvenation. Okay. But then the yoga studio model just didn't really fit. So we have a yoga studio. We still, you know, we're doing events. We would rent out the space, still do classes. I mean, I led meditations here and there. I mean, but now the yoga studio is really more used for production because I'm actually, uh, I own a, a film and television production company. So we, we actually use that space to film content now and, and, you know, document, I have like a couple document or a documentary and a TV show in the works right now. So that's how we plan to utilize that space. And like I mentioned, we have two treatment rooms where we offer different therapies. I mean, we're going to be adding in uh, the ability to do EEG here in the near future. So actually being able to do brain scans. So I say that that clinic, it's basically a brain health clinic with, a yoga studio slash production studio in it. I mean, it's kind of multi-purpose space. Wow. And then, like I mentioned, I have another clinic that I purchased towards the end of last year. That was a full service Ayurvedic clinic in Newport Beach. That is, um, you know, we have herbs on site. We do a lot of detox therapies, massage, things of that nature to help people detox. And then we set them up with a doctor where they're then able to change their diet. We recommend yoga, meditation, hybrid therapies between both clinics and then we have a whole suite of remote services we offer so we can set them up with a personal trainer, a yoga teacher, you know, a talk therapist, you know, doing neurofeedback. I mean, there's so many different options we have. And the point is not to like have everyone do everything, but the reason I set my business up like that is so then that way, no two people are ever going to have the same treatment plans or the same recommendations that it, then it's truly catered to what their needs are, what they're struggling with. 
there. Um, Chris is asking if I'm teamed up with Dr. Amen. Yeah, so I'm actually certified uh, through the Amen Clinics as a brain health coach, and I wow. have a team of brain health coaches that work for me. So the Amen Clinics are very much the foundation of how we we work with the brain. But then I'm added on to uh, I have added in the Eastern medicine twist to really take things to the next level. And I say that the whole my whole entire mission is to bridge the gap between Eastern and Western medicine. So Dr. Amen's kind of what we use on the Western medicine side, in addition to, to a variety of other. Oh, so you're asking what brain scans. So we offer EEG. So, so it's that's what we do. So it measures electrical activity in the brain, and it's able to uh, pick up where there's overactivity and underactivity based upon electrical activity in the brain. And then we're able to, to recommend supplements and, and neurofeedback and other things to be able to help to create balance within the brain. And so, like I mentioned, we on the Western side is Dr. Amen and other things around like microbiome health and cellular health that we use on that side. And then the Ayurvedic side. And, you know, I mean, I actually I'm going nonprofit with my clinics now so I can begin to to raise money to do research on children with mental and neurological disorders to then gain more of a deeper understanding as to how we can use some of these newer techniques on the Western side and actually gather scientific data as to how Eastern medicine impacts the body because we know it works. We know it's not easy, that it takes energy and effort. But then if we're then able to show concrete data saying like, you know, a 12 week Ayurvedic protocol for someone with these symptoms can help to create balance in these areas of the brain, help to create balance within the mitochondria, decrease inflammation, balance in the thyroid and all these other different kind of Western metrics then it's going to open up people's eyes a lot more to the power of Eastern medicine. And that's a lot of what we're, like I mentioned, in the process of raising funds through my nonprofit for to then be able to create programs for uh, children. You know, we're working with children uh, who have autism and then also having a large focus on children in uh, the inner cities. So inner city schools and inner city communities, people of minority status that wouldn't be able to afford these uh higher end services. So, I mean, like I, I offer services on the for-profit side, but I also like a big reason I do that is to like raise money and, and actually fund treatment for some autistic children and inner city families and inner city schools. So in that way they can then have access to these, all these different things that we're talking about. I, I saw a, a, and this was in, um, I think it was in Newport beach. I saw they um, stopped this doctor and he's a, I forget what kind of doctor he is. Um, I forget what it, very, he was extremely smart. I do know that. And very advanced, like neuro uh, something vascular or something. I don't know, but, but he, um, they were asking him about coronavirus and masks and all of this stuff. And, and he said, your body already has a built-in mask. The problem is, is most people aren't taking care of their bodies on a cellular level, getting mm -hmm. enough vitamin D and getting all of these different things where you're building up a, a resistance and you're on a cellular level. If, if he's like, I, I, I will never get the coronavirus because of A, B, C and D, all these things that he listed that it's impossible for my body to contract the coronavirus. Um, and uh, from what you've seen, do you think that that's, is there truth in that? There is truth. I mean, I'm going to be very, very reluctant and carefully choose my next words because it's such a controversial topic. It I'm is. I'm an expert on immunology. I'm not an expert in the field of, of disease, but what I do know and what I do agree upon with him about, I mean, I think it may be extreme to say I can't get it. I mean, I, I just don't know enough to be able to say that, but what yeah. I can say is that a lot of our immune function and our immune Build, like our, the strength of our immune system is largely governed by the foods we eat, the strength yeah. of our gut, because the immune system is actually modulated by the gut wall. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that the quality of the microbiome and the bacteria that we have in our gut largely dictates our ability to fight off, you know, kind of foreign invaders. Mm -hmm. And then there's things like autoimmune diseases, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, and a lot of diseases that stem from digestion from the gut. And what I can say from an Eastern medicine perspective is that they think like everything is digestion and that, you know, inflammation, cellular imbalance are at 
the underlying contributing factors to a lot of different diseases. I don't want to say every single disease because I don't know. I mean, there's so many diseases out there, but it's it then comes back to what I was talking about creating balance within the body because the way that Ayurveda talks about health is that our body has its own innate inner intelligence to where like if you think about the, the whole human body from head to toe, there's so many things happening within us and, and basically imagining that each one of our individual cells are their own beings. Like they're their own functioning creatures that when you, those are not in balance, you magnify that times trillions because we have trillions of cells within our body. And, and that's like where we have to be able to, to take care of that. Otherwise it's very unrealistic to expect our body to be able to fight off these kind of diseases that can then come in and invade ourselves and actually lead to the point of death. And that's why with COVID, like it's been identified that a lot of those that are at risk for contracting and, you know, perhaps even dying from the disease are those that are immunocompromised with already pre-existing conditions. Because yeah. as I mentioned earlier, that a lot of those conditions then manifest from years and years of imbalances within the body. So that just goes to show that, you know, things like COVID and other kind of outside bacterial based diseases they wouldn't have as much of a chance of being able to cause that much harm if the body's immune system and the body's functioning is already at a very high level. So I think that's what he could be referring to, but I think it may be a little egotistical to say, I can't get COVID. Like I'm above COVID. I mean, I think <laughs> it's like a little wild. I mean, I'm never. Well, he was, listen, the guy was very humble. He wasn't being, he's just like, it, it, it's just the way that, that, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and I don't want to take it out of context. So, but he was saying like, it's just impossible for me in a very humble way. It's impossible for me to contract something like that because of the, and, and I can't, I can't name all the stuff. It, I, I just found it very intriguing and interesting that he said, said what he said. Um, but I think, you know, uh, when it comes to the gut health, I keep hearing about this and, and, you know, I was diagnosed with diverticulitis mm. years ago and, and which is a really fun thing to have and, and you never know what's going to trigger it. Right. Mm. And, but, but it's so, so I think there was a point for me a few years ago where I was like, well, I'm, I'm in my, you know, late forties at the time. Um, it's too late. I can't change now because I've destroyed my body over, over 40 some odd years or whatever. What about somebody that's in their 50s, 60s, 70s that maybe they feel like, you know, I've been overweight my whole life. I, you know, McDonald's is part of my daily routine and um, I, I just don't know, you know, what to do to change or is it too late? What about the people that think it's too late? It's never too late. No, that's what I can say. It's all, it's all about mindset. You tell yourself it's too late. It is too late. It's just, yeah. it's really that, that plain and simple. I mean, if you believe you can change, you can change yeah. because the body wants to be in a state of balance. It takes more energy and effort for it to become out of balance. Like I mentioned it takes years to contract diseases. Diseases in a conventional sense don't just appear overnight. I mean, it really takes a lot of, you know, a lot of beating up and a lot of abuse to the body to get to that point where Many people like if, but then once again, it's not their fault. It's not that like they don't know, but right. sure, you may be overweight, you may have diabetes, you may have high blood pressure, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, but it all starts with a desire to like truly make a difference and then start small. I mean, you can't just change everything. Even if you're in your 70s and you have a host of diseases, you can go for a 10 minute walk. At least I hope so. I mean, I can't say in all cases, there may be some cases where it's start like very, very hard. Yeah. But it's, for most people, like if you have two legs and you're able to walk, just going for a walk every day is going to make a huge difference mentally, physically, spiritually, and then working your way up from there. Like it really, I mean, there's so much education and so much knowledge available to us on the internet to where you can become not like an expert on something, but you can learn so much just from Google. I mean, I recommend double checking sources and not like yeah. You know, when it comes to COVID stuff, maybe not reading everything about COVID. <laughs> yeah. So much misinformation. But if it's just something yeah. as simple as like learning about how exercise can benefit high blood pressure, you know, something like that's a very well-researched phenomenon that 
that shows that if you exercise more, it has a positive impact on your blood pressure. Like that's an established thing to where, you know, things like movement, things like eating, I mean, eating a healthy diet's not revolutionary. And the approach that I take is that, you know, if you're eating McDonald's every day, don't just tell yourself, I have to stop eating McDonald's today. Like if you're eating McDonald's five days a week, go down to four days a week. And then on that day, you're not eating McDonald's, eat a salad, make some vegetables, cook a meal at home. It's yeah. like, that's what's really worked for me is not shaming myself for what I'm doing or removing or like, you really have to be at peace with where you're at now and make very small, gradual changes. And then you'll be amazed at how quick the body is able to, to respond and like how much better you feel. So it's really just about like, you know, if you want to, you don't change a hundred percent of you overnight. It's about changing right. 10% right now and then slowly start doing more because as you start to feel the benefits, that's like more motivation to want to change even more. That's the way that I break it down with, with my clients. It's, it's the, the standard program we have is six months long with a doctor and a health coach. And so it's a very much a team effort to where the doctor can kind of guide the medical side and the health coach can then hold people's hand and, and showing them how to build a brain healthy lifestyle. And then like, you know, one thing Dr. Amen always talks about is, you know, before you do something, just ask yourself, is this going to be good for my brain or bad for my brain? Like, you know, this cheesecake is going to taste amazing, but is this cheesecake going to be good for my brain? Probably not. So, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if it's someone's birthday and you want to eat a piece of cheesecake, like that's fine. I, mean, I still eat sweets on like celebratory things, but I don't eat sweets on a daily basis. So I think it's just, it's really about starting small and then continuing to build up from there. Yeah. Yeah. Karen says, this is why I think keto doesn't work for me. I feel like I'm fighting with my body and willpower. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. keto is not natural for many people. That's why I think people doing the ketogenic diet for weight loss is not the greatest idea because it puts a lot of strain and a lot of stress on the body by having to switch from having carbohydrates to fat being the primary source of energy. Yeah. And, and one area where I think the ketogenic diet has been shown to be effective are actually people with epilepsy and people that have seizures. <clears throat> yep. I think that keto, like keto can be the right thing if there is like a warranted reason for it. But yeah. for like this whole keto craze where people are going, it's just, it's, it doesn't really make sense to me, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I think that it keto is a heck of a lot better for your cells than eating like a sugary based diet. But yeah. I think that like, I just, I just don't know enough about like the long-term effects. Like there, it hasn't been around long enough, at least to my knowledge. Once again, I could yeah. be totally wrong. So if there's anyone out there listening that is an expert on keto, this is just my understanding, but that like long-term evidence in terms of how it impacts the brain. I just, I don't know. I think yeah. short-term it can have benefits for weight loss. But from what I've heard is that people go through just a very intense two to three week period when they start on the ketogenic diet. Yeah. That's like your body withdrawing from sugar. And I think it's yeah. it's it's not even about it being like the right or wrong thing to do. It's just very hard to maintain that. Right. There's sugar in everything. And to just eliminate carbohydrates and have a, a primarily fat based diet, to me, it just seems like there'd be a better way of accomplishing you know, whether the goal is a weight loss or general health than having to take yeah. that drastic measures. That's once again, that's just my viewpoint on it. I think yeah. it's a very strategic diet that I, in my opinion is being overutilized. Well, I've got, um, you know, I I'm, I'm reading the book by Dr. Axe, who is, uh, and you know, I get from, from what the stories that I've heard, it's, it's cured a lot of things, cancer and a, a lot of things. So, you know, for me, I, I, I want to, I, I just personally, and I think that that's where, where people like you that are, that are really out there, you know, spreading the message that you're spreading. I believe that people want a healthier life. They want a, a, a higher quality lifestyle, um, but they don't know where to start because if you walk through any grocery store in America it, it's, it's literally the shelves that are lined with poison and, 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 and I'm not, you know, and I'm not judging anybody either. I've done it for 52 years, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but there's gotta be a better way and a simpler way. And one that, that it doesn't require a new degree and, and, and being a chef to prepare meals like, like, 
you know, my wife was saying the other night, like, God, I, you know, hearing all this stuff about how horrible carbs are, which they are on a, on a big scale, but you know, I, I don't even know what to, what to cook. I don't know what to make for dinner. And I'm like, I, I, I know we have grass fed beef. Let's eat that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Right. You know? Yeah. So. And I mean, I think that the fact that it is grass fed is, it's obviously better than the traditional stuff pumped with hormones and steroids and, and yeah. all those harmful additives. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say carbs are bad. I think carbs are good when you eat the right kinds of them but it's yeah. the overconsumption of carbs, which are like kind of give them a bad rap. I don't think yeah. carbs are bad. I don't think protein's bad. I don't think fat's bad. I think it's, it's more about kind of moving beyond just like basic macronutrients and understanding that there's certain foods that fill certain needs. So for example, if you have quinoa, that, that, that's a very nurturing complex carbohydrate that is digested slowly. But what's when carbohydrates do become bad, are all these processed foods that are simple sugars and high fructose corn syrup, you know, like all these cereals you mentioned, like I don't eat cereal anymore because it's just not no bueno on any level. Yeah. <laughs> when your body just, when you eat them, it spikes your blood sugar completely up. Yeah. And then that's like, you know, over the course of a lifetime, how diabetes happens. And so yeah. that's why it's, I don't think we can like go across the board and say all carbs are bad. I just think it's about like understanding what carbs are good versus what carbs are not good. And I think like right. to speak to your point about the grocery stores, I mean, it's really not revolutionary in the sense that if it has a colorful box, if it has an ingredient list, it's, it's not real food. It's right. just, it's not. And that's where getting back to just eating fruits, eating, oh no, Frosted Flakes. Trust me, I love Frosted Flakes. That was a hard one for me to give up. <laughs> Frosted Flakes and Cinnamon Toast Crunch, man. Those, those, oh, those been my mornings for years. So I, I sympathize with that completely yeah. not to say you can't have it on occasion but like every day is it it, it would be tough for the body to, to sustain yeah and and huge i huge reduction that, in sugar in the diets which is a byproduct of the keto diet are bringing a lot of changes absolutely. i think you know and i said it last night on my live stream because you know these companies are they're they're pumping our foods full of chemicals like chemicals and and you know the and preservatives and 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 the way that you stop that is you stop buying it and the companies go out of business. <laughs> I mean, true, it is true. Yeah. It's a business. And and you it know is. to kind of clarify the point about the keto diet. I mean, I think to kind of expand on what I said. I mean, I think that keto is great. Like you mentioned, to cure a lot of diseases. I think if someone has a disease, keto can be a great option. But I think as just a basic lifestyle for somebody that's healthy, that's where, I mean, like I said, once again, my opinion that I don't think keto needs to be like that because it's such a drastic change. So yeah. I think I agree that there are tremendous benefits and that's what people are, are getting it because a lot of these diseases feed off of sugar. And yeah. that's why having the complete reduction of sugar when there's already cancer, there's already high blood pressure, there's already heart disease can then give the body a break and give it a chance to heal. Yeah. But then that's where I think then becomes the question, is keto necessary for a lifetime? Is it, and these are all questions like for researchers, like are they like certain periods for certain diseases? I mean, I think that there's like, that's where keto I think is gonna have the best application is like, okay, when there's already disease present. But like I said, I mean, for me, I know that it's- uh, My wife. Love great thoughts, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it'd be tough to, to have keto just be like a mainstream way of, of eating. That's well, but I, I what I've read so far, and and again, this is something I'm reading about researching. I have a buddy who's a a deputy sheriff, and he's very quiet, very not in your face about anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and he called, and he's always been overweight. And he called me the other day, and he said. Um, Hey, I sent you a link to a book. You didn't didn't respond to my text message, and I said, "Oh, sorry, I forgot." And you know, um, and it was the keto diet from by Doctor Axe. And he said, "Dude, I lost thirty five pounds in in sixty days, and it's completely changed my life and his wife's life." And he's also a cancer survivor. And and he said, he said, you know, it, it's it's the there's something I guess called keto cycling or something where 
you go in and out of, of ketosis. And, and I don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm looking into it just because like, Hey, I, I got a personal testimony from one of my best friends that said, Hey, yeah. it changed my life. And, and he's not been in the one sixties weight range since high school. And now he is, wow. and he's in his forties. Awesome. So, you know, I, I think that uh, again, what you're saying, and I agree with, it sounds like you're saying like, you know, moderate, like just mo everything in moderation, man. Like it is, yeah. I don't think that any one diet's a one size fits all approach to everything. And that's where with Ayurvedic medicine, it's about putting together a, a program that we're, I mean, there's a whole way to kind of figure out what a person's like Ayurvedic body type is. Yeah. That's where you can then there's certain foods that are good for them and certain foods that aren't good for them. So it's not black and white. Like I'm going to do keto or I'm going to do paleo. And that's much more the mindset that I'm in now is that it's a lot more about balance and, and kind of what works for each unique individual. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I think that an Ayurvedic approach is, is very good for healthy people. But when it comes to disease management, there are special interventions that are needed. So that's where I think that keto can't, like I mentioned with epilepsy, it's been yeah. shown that in, in certain cases, it completely stopped the incidence of seizures. And I think that's yeah. amazing because that's, you know, I had, and this was scary because I had like a friend of mine in my English class in junior year of high school, where she literally had a seizure right in front of me. Like as I was, basically wow. talking to her she completely seized up and just dropped to the floor and started having a seizure right there in the middle of class and i just was like that was a traumatizing moment for me yeah sadly she ended up losing her life at the age of 20 because she of did epilepsy mm -hmm. oh my god yeah and it's it's just it's and to think that a diet dietary change could have possibly saved her life and, and, and that's the thing. And, and again, I'm, this isn't me pitching keto cause I don't know enough about it. So, yeah. but I, I do have a friend that, that she's a health coach and she does, she's big on keto and avocados and all this stuff. But, um, I, I, again, I don't know enough about it, but I think that it's important what you're doing. And, and that is, I mean, because it starts with education. It, it starts with, with mm -hmm. the person becoming educated about first their mental state, like you were talking about the psychological state rather. Um, mm -hmm. and then, then moving through all the other, the other elements of, of getting healthy. Right. Exactly. It's a process. I mean, I think that's what people have to understand. Yeah. It's, and that's why I, mean, I don't really get too deep into talking about specific diets because there's so many different yeah. diets in yeah. today's world. And yeah. that's why I take like a neutral stance with it. Like, yeah, it can help, but I don't think it's the greatest way to just have a diet. Yeah. Because what diet implies is like, okay, like you said, your friend lost, you know, sit like 45 pounds in 60 days. That's yeah. amazing. Or 35 in 60 days. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so when those 60 days are up, like then what? Because I know that yeah. those infomercial testimonials where they say, oh, you lose all this weight in this amount of time. Yeah. What they won't show you is the, the recurrence of gaining that weight back. And that, you know, as opposed to wanting to lose that much weight in two months, why not spread it out over a year and work to make small, gradual changes to build a lifestyle that's sustainable for the rest of your life? Yeah, and that's a much more practical approach. And why just the idea of diets, period, just rubbing the wrong way? Because yeah, tried yeah. so many times. And I know so many people that have tried them and they just leave people empty asking questions like, why didn't this work? Yeah. So that's why, you know, taking the approach to address the subconscious mind, address unhealthy thought patterns, yeah. you know, building other healthy habits, understanding it's not just diet. It's a huge piece, but like exercise and movement are big. Meditation's big. Yoga's big. Mindfulness, all these. It's a combination of all these yeah. different things. And that's why, you know, we spoke a lot about diet today, but then all these other areas that have a positive impact on the brain are really what then puts you in a position to where you can live a wonderful quality life, have success in all areas and truly be happy. I mean, I think that's like the biggest thing that my, my goal is to bring to people is like true happiness and understanding that you don't have to lose a certain amount of weight to be happy. You don't have to lose, you don't have to look a certain way or, you know, have a certain like job or a certain car or a certain house to be happy. I mean, I think all that's just the facade that like, you know, we want to kind of put on this certain appearance for the world. When in, in truth and in reality, happiness stems from within. And even just maintaining that has such a positive 
outlook on the body and then fighting disease and all these other things we talked about today. So I think that that's like a good, a kind of a good place for me to leave is that yeah. my goal is to just bring peace, love, joy, and happiness to everybody I come across as like a result of me truly carrying that energy within myself. I mean, that, wow. that's really what, what like, I see as my purpose of existence. I love that, man. I love it. How do people follow you? Where's the best place to, to follow you? And, and do you have a, a website that they could, they could visit? Absolutely. So uh, my website is soulphysiolifestyle.com. Feel free. It's S O U L P H Y S I O soulphysiolifestyle.com. It's the name of my company. I have all the information about all the services that are on there. If anybody is curious about wanting to set up a time to chat with me or one of my doctors, all of those things, those resources are available. Feel free to drop me a message in the chat button. I'm also active on LinkedIn and Facebook. I have also an Instagram. I mean, I'm not the greatest about, you know, keeping that updated, but I have a soul physio lifestyle as my Instagram or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Dude, you're awesome, man. You're, you're, and, and, uh, you're very chill. I love that, man. Love your energy. Thank you for your time. I know that you have another um, commitment. So thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. Hang with me if you would real quick. I'm going to end the, the live stream. Thank you all for sharing this out, watching and being here with us. Appreciate you, Anish. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. It's been a pleasure. See you guys later.